0: Rick, thank you for being on The Buzz.
1: Tony, it's uh, really a pleasure.
0: Good. Now, you've been covering the rise of the right movement for quite some time now, and so I'm just going to cut to the chase. Are we in a mm-hmm. pre-fascist moment in the United States right now, and in the second part of that? And if so, how did we get here?
1: Yeah, <laughs> Those are the big ones, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I use the word fascism, definitely. I mean, but it's interesting the way you frame it. Are we in a pre-fascist movement? Right. Mm. Uh, That's a process. I mean, that's kind of like up to us, right? I mean, we're not a fascist nation, right? (laughs) We haven't surrendered our liberties to the state quite yet, but we do have a fascist political party, the Republicans, and I use that very advisedly. You know, that's not a word I would ever use. In fact, I think I was one of the first people to ask in 2015 whether Trump was a fascist, and I said no, he's not a fascist. You know, um, because really, there's you know no attempt to kind of uh, railroad the other political party off the scene. But uh, I think for a lot of different reasons, we can talk about. We've kind of passed that that watershed, you know, and we can talk about the definitions, what that means, why it's important to use the word precisely, but. Um, one thing I am very adamant about is that the process of the American political rights that I've been writing about, you know, since the 1990s as a historian, really kind of starting in the 1950s, uh, starting with, you know, our Wisconsin homeboy, Joe McCarthy, yeah. um, is like a ratchet. You know, it only, it only really ever kind of went in one direction. Right? You can't move a ratchet backwards and that's rightward in the direction of more and more authoritarianism. And yeah, you know, there's lots of ways to explain how that happened and kind of why that happened, but if you think about it, you know, Ronald Reagan was always kind of surrounded by, you know, what they call kind of adults in the room, these kind of centrist figures who kind of protected him from his most right wing instincts. Uh, and then, you know, came Newt Gingrich, who, you know, he uh, took over as House Speaker in 1995. And, you know, we talk about, you know, frightful rhetoric. You would say, you know, America's heading towards Auschwitz when it comes to abortions, things like that. But, you know, he had his movement in the sun and he was vanquished. You know, it seemed like he'd pushed his, 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 uh, he'd pushed his uh, party too far to the right. You know, and then came George W. Bush, and the striking thing about George W. Bush and the scary thing about it, and this is kind of a big part of the story, too, is how much his authoritarian impulses were accommodated by the media and even the Democratic Party when it came to something like the Iraq War, which was just this absolutely terrible thing. I mean, it was full of deception, you know, and he really did exploit September 11th, you know, in kind of a Reichstag fire kind of way to get his war in Iraq, which was, you know, a really a goal of his. And, um, of course, the fantasies about Iraq that suddenly, you know, we you know, sweep in with the force of arms and shock, of awe, shock and awe and emerge with this kind of noble liberal democracy. You know, right now, um, the army did this big study in 2019, and they said the only winner of the Iraq war in, uh, was Iran. Right. Mm -hmm. This was complete failure. Right. And he used this to kind of, you know, ride to reelection in 24, 2004, using absolutely kind of terrifying tactics, lots of um, voter suppression, all that stuff. And, you know, then comes Donald Trump. And uh, the striking thing about Donald Trump is, you know, how easily he's found it, uh, getting the rest of the Republican Party that, you know, was so skeptical, skeptical of him in 2015 and 2016 to outright surrender to his agenda. And now we're at a point where really conceptually some of the only words that you can use to describe what he's doing to make it make sense are, are German. Words like Führerprinzip, which is this idea that truth, uh, the law, kind of emerges from of uh, the being, the person of the leader, right? Which is mm-hmm. you know basically what half the Republican party is saying when they say that, you know, the very idea of holding him accountable for his crimes in the court of law is illegitimate.
0: Right. Now you wrote back in December, uh, 2023 in an article and in, in these times, uh, it was entitled, uh, we're in an epidemic of right-wing terror. Won't someone tell the press? And right. uh, you were saying that right-wing political violence accounted for more than 90% of all attacks or plots in the first half of 2020, and since 2020, it's gotten worse. Indeed, right. there have been 18 fatal acts of political terrorism uh, counted since the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. And with only one of those uh, deaths coming from the, of someone who could be described uh, from the left. Right, and-, and
1: that was about like this, you know, he... he, he uh- a Democrat shot a reporter who was investigating him over corruption. So it wasn't an ideological attack.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the mainstream media has uh, provided scant coverage of this violence. Why do you think that is? And uh, what role has a media, I guess a mainstream media played in reporting on the rise of the right in this country?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting mystery. <laughs> and, um, you would think that they would kind of naturally um, gravitate to this very kind of um, dramatic story, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this right-wing violent rhetoric. I mean, we all remember January 6th, and let's not forget that, you know, that had a serious death toll. And a lot of it was suicide. You know, I mean, people who were so disillusioned by these supposed American patriots calling, calling cops, calling being called traitors right mm-hmm. by people who supposedly were supporting claim to be supporting the constitution it was so disillusioning you know that we had a lot of suicides behind that so why does, why doesn't the media for example so i so just to kind of frame things for folks if you go to the american prospect that's where i have a weekly column it's a wonderful liberal magazine or prospect.org and you can sign up for my It's every wednesday uh, just you'll get a splash page, and it'll say, you know, this is not a paywall. Just click here and put in your email if you want my column. Um, tomorrow I have a column about what's going on in Eagle Pass, Texas. Right? And you're 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 a news junkie, Tony. You're you're it's your profession. Uh, well, yeah, so we, we just covered that. So does that place I, ring a bell?
0: Yeah, we covered it just uh, right. actually a couple of weeks ago on the show. So we're speaking right. with people. So a couple of weeks ago
1: Texas. is basically where we get this situation where the governor of Texas says. You know, I'm putting razor wire down in the Rio Grande River. You know, razor wire, basically wire that acts like a razor blade, mm-hmm. you know, to get, to, because, quote-unquote, these, these children and mothers, starving people who are trying to come into the United States are, quote-unquote, invaders, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: supposedly, according to the Constitution, as as, as, as Governor Abbott puts it, you know, uh, states can defend themselves, and this is according to the Constitution, in... in um, in the event of "quote unquote" actual invasion, right. So in other words, hungry people are invading, like it's you know Omaha Beach and the the, the you know the kind of like you know like um you know the GIs are storming Normandy or something like that. It's an invasion, right? And the Supreme Court, right, which decides how you interpret the Constitution, said no, it's not an invasion. Scary enough that you know the decision was um, five for four, right? It was one vote away from saying oh. This is an invasion, right? But, you know, the Supreme Court said, no, you, you cannot do this. You have to listen to what the actual uh, federal government says, which says you can't do this. And, by the way, one of the fascist things about this is it's just, it's just a photo op. As a matter of fact, the, state, the, the Texas National Guard, by putting this razor wire in the river, is making it harder to keep migrants from coming over the Rio Grande because, you know, the razor wires you know, very dangerous for national, for, for army people too. Right. So he said, I'm, I'm going to defy this. I'm going to defy the Supreme court. You know, how many divisions does the, the Supreme court have? And that's probably what you have covered, but what hasn't been covered almost at all in any of the mainstream American media is that these people are beginning to show up in Eagle Pass with their guns and saying, I'm going to help, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. help governor Abbott defend against this invasion you know, we have a possible January 6th situation really today as we speak. And, you know, um, the New York Times had a tiny article about it, you know, 1,000 words on page 11, right? The Washington Post had, had practically nothing. Um, you know, I found, um, you know, you, you, this is the kind of stuff you got to go to alternative media in order to follow. And that's where I found this um, interview with a young woman who said, you know, the the migrants have had no effect on her life. You know, she's not afraid of them at all. You know, even though if you listen to right-wing media, they're, you know, all terrorists and mm-hmm. criminals. But these people coming to my city with guns, you know, scare the crap out of me. <laughs> right. right. Uh- and so the media doesn't cover this. Why, you know, that, that's that's a very interesting question. I think that it's, um, you know, it's kind of a Pandora's box kind of thing. They kind of fear staring into the abyss, like actually acknowledging kind of what is happening. You know, I try to get at this in my... In my column, I do a series of interviews with people and saying, you know, why isn't the media prepared to meet this movement? And I don't have any good answers yet. I'm mm. still working on this one.
0: Right. Uh, speaking of uh, the media, what what is the role of disinformation in the growth of the fascist movement in the United States?
1: Right. Well, that's huge, too, right? Because if you listen to the right-wing discourse, not just coming from people like, you know, Steve Bannon and Alex Jones, but actual, you know, members of Congress, right, um, one of the, 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 the members of the Congress, members of the Senate, uh, who was actually censured by his home state Republican Party, this guy named James Lankford of Oklahoma, he's a Republican who chose to negotiate with Joseph Biden over uh, immigration bill because, you know, Biden is basically appeasing them. He's giving them everything he's, he, he wanted. He's increasing enforcement. He's making it harder for people to get over the border. This guy, Lankford, just for um, negotiating with Biden was censured by his home state political party. So he decided that he had to kind of show his right-wing bona fides. He had to say he was a member of the team. So he tweets, well, all the the terrorists who came here on September 11th were illegal immigrants. That's completely made up. That's Mm -hmm. disinformation, right? This idea that immigrants, you know, cause crime. Well, actually, immigrants, you know, illegal or, or legal, you know, commit crimes at, rates that are lower than Americans. So if he wanted less crime, we, you know, (laughs) replace the population of America with immigrants. Right. Right. So, you know, it's just overwhelming disinformation on the right, such that, you know, you can talk to a right wing friend, you know, in, in Wisconsin, if if any of us have them anymore and everything they tell you will be, you know, made up. And a lot of this will come from Trump, but a lot of it will come from so-called mainstream Republicans. And, you know, um, Steve Bannon, who, of course, is you know one of the biggest propagandists for Trump and was his original strategist in the White House, says, well, this is basically our point. This is what we're trying to do. The way to kind of control the information environment, to basically control reality, is you have to discredit the mainstream media. And the way you do that is, you know, I'm going to use a euphemism because I know we're on the broadcast airwaves. You have to flood the zone with crap. You have to keep as much made-up stuff in the media Because once that gets reported, it crowds out the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an actual strategy to make it hard for us to grasp what's actually happening. And the media has a way of thinking about this. I'm talking about the mainstream media, the Washington Post, CNN, uh, the New York Times, you know, uh, the Journal Sentinel, whatever, the Capital Times. Well, they're better, you know, right? I mean, we have William Evjute, right? We have the great legacy of these great uh, fighters for justice from Wisconsin. But the mainstream media has this model, And the model is you have to report um, what the Democrats say and what the Republicans say as equivalent sides of an argument, Mm -hmm. right? So if the the Republicans are saying, uh, if the Republicans, you know, lie, cheat, and steal and, and, you know, try to incite violence, and the Democrats, you know, tell the truth, you know, um, respond timidly, uh, you know, and say, no, we need to kind of lower the temperature, those are somehow seen as equivalent sides to the argument, and when you frame it like that, and when you frame kind of the liars and the people who don't lie as equivalent, you're obviously creating a bias in favor of the liars, right? right? You're giving them a platform that they wouldn't ordinarily have as kind of half the legitimate side of the argument. You know, if you're if you're meeting a train halfway, you're halfway to where that train is heading. and that train is heading to fascism. You're accommodating fascism by treating what the Republicans say is legitimate. But the media only knows how to say uh, that the Republicans are kind of one half of a legitimate argument.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're just reporting the news as they see it, I guess.
1: They're uh, just right reporting, right? Well, that's, yes. Actually, I did a column about that. A New York Times reporter absolutely refused to entertain this argument uh, when a really wonderful writer named Jeff Charlotte, who has written a lot about fascism in Wisconsin, in a book he wrote called The Undertow, this New York Times interview uh, reporter absolutely refused to entertain this idea and said the fact that the New York Times has 10 million subscribers means the market has spoken and we're doing everything right.
0: Hmm. And we can't use the word fascism. So i uh, taken a clue from you. Uh, how do you explain the rise of Trump fascism? Is, you know, is it that he he's just had a compelling message that uh, resonated with right. a large segment of the American people who feel more and more disenfranchised uh, yeah, from the I mean, there's a dream.
1: lot of factors, right? I mean, one is, you know, I mean, the easiest is, you know, um, he lets people indulge their, you know, worst angels of their nature, you know, with the racism, right? I mean, don't forget the first thing he said as a presidential candidate was that Mexico was sending rapists to the United States another mm-hmm. you know, quote-unquote, invasion, right. right? So that's part of it. Part of it is he's a very good entertainer, and we're kind of amusing ourselves to death. You know, part of it is the Democrats have um, not provided a... Politically compelling alternative as they kind of surrendered more and more to kind of neoliberalism and kind of wimpiness, quite frankly. Exactly. Well, that, uh, that,
0: that was the second part of my question. Was going to be was yeah. it was it that the the What's Democratic the the Party is
1: weak? Yeah, I call it I call it the infernal triangle. Right, authoritarian Republicans, wimpy Democrats, and incompetent media. That's the kind of the mess. That that's the kind of like the the snare we're in. Well. Wow. All right,
0: um, you know we're seeing the rise of right wing forces in elections on the international level. You know, um, right. for a bit That's now. Of another course- thing.
1: it's an international phenomenon, and a lot of that comes from the political economy. Right, the fact that
2: for an ordinary
1: middle class person all over the world, you know, there's just so much less economic security. Right, there's so much. You know, it's like if you think about, you know, um, you know that remember that psychologist Abraham Maslow, and he talks about the hierarchy of needs. Right, the most basic human need is physical security right and once you Mm -hmm. got that taken care of you can kind of begin to become spiritually secure you can begin to become an individual you can begin to have real freedom right but when you have that physical security taken away from you this you know kind of comfort that basically you're going to be able to take care of your children you get your guard up right you see everything as a threat right and so all these forces around the world that have kind of um, made governments kind of less protective of kind of middle class economic interests and turn things over more and more to the big corporations makes people more susceptible to these kind of demagogic appeals, these racist appeals, quite frankly. And You see it you know, in a mm-hmm. place like Greece. You, know, you can see it in a place like Poland, which actually you know, really gives us hope because they, they, they defeated their fascist candidate the right. election this year. Right. Um, of course, in, you can in, see it all over the place, uh, you know, and you can see it in. Uh, sorry, you can see it in. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit, hit that. we we'll that. that. You can, you can, you can see it in Marinette, Wisconsin, right? Yeah. You know, you can see it in in Oshkosh. You can see it in Eau Claire. You know, you can see it in La Crosse.
0: Right. Uh, these recent victories, um, uh, you know, I included uh, uh, in Italy, and, and you mentioned uh, Poland. Of course, they lost there. Um, But even in uh, El Salvador just the other day where they just Mm. uh, uh, reelected somebody who actually, uh, according to their own constitution, was not supposed to be allowed to. Well, that's a really really great
1: thing to bring up because we're talking about migration, which is, you know, happening a lot all over the world because of all these reasons, because the world is becoming less stable, because there's less economic security because of climate change. And, you know, in a place like El Salvador. You know, or Guatemala or Venezuela, a lot of this is the consequences of, you know, American actions, right, over the past decades. I mean, El Salvador, mm-hmm. you know, who's, who's the most frightful specter that Donald Trump and his Republicans raised? This this MS-13 gang, right? So right. Well, these guys were people who were exiled from El Salvador because of the Civil War in the 1980s, which was, you know, sponsored by Ronald Reagan. Right. They came to Los Angeles. They became gangbangers. Then they were deported back to El Salvador over the wave of kind of, um, you know, anti-immigrant fervor in the 1990s. Then they reconstituted their gang in El Salvador, and now they're coming, you know, to the border. Right, right.
0: These were the remnants of the right-wing death squads that used to roam uh, um, not only in El Salvador but uh, Guatemala and other places like that. Right. You know, without sounding like a conspiracy theorist, do you see any of these recent right-wing victories in Europe as? Um, were they triggered by Trump's ability to win the United States. Right. They're like, hey, if the United well, States I mean, can all that-
1: You don't have to see this as a, you know, conspiracy theory. You can, you know, people like Steve Bannon and people like Donald Trump are kind of building a fascist international, right? I mean, they're 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 in contact with each other. I mean, the best example is uh, Hungary, right? Where it's it's kind of become Hungary's become, you know, kind of like, you know, the the, the strawberry field for the American right, you know, mm-hmm. like um, um uh, they're all kind of going there as pilgrims. They think it's wonderful, you know, this place that's kind of surrendered all their, you know, for example, they have one of the best universities in Europe, but it, since it was um, funded by, you know, the great George Soros, who's kind of the, the, the evil Jew behind the curtain, they they kicked it out of the country, right? So you have a kind of like these these forces that are doing what, you know, any political actor does who wants to spread their ideas. They're, they're organizing and, you know, Then people start asking, what do we do? Obviously, our answer is organizing, too. I mean, Wisconsin is a great example. You know, I mean, I told you, Tony, I'm a Wisconsin native, so I follow the news very closely. And, you know, the fact that Wisconsin was on the razor's edge and you guys had, you know, the Supreme Court, uh, election and the good guys won, this is how you do it, mm-hmm. right? They're going to, you know, make it so actually Wisconsin's a democracy. And if they win, if the Democrats win the majority of the votes, they get the majority of the seats in the legislature. And, you know, I follow issues in Wisconsin, like, you know, the fact that, you know, the legislature in Madison, the Republican legislature literally bans counties from outlawing, um, you know, basically, um, uh, manure factories, you know, pigs, kofos, right? Um, so, you know, be, you know, once, once Wisconsin shows, you know, the rest of the country, what can happen if you have a mobilized electorate fighting for the values of liberalism, fighting for the values of liberation, you know, against this authoritarian onslaught. And you know, they fight, they don't fight fair, right? They, they, they were, you know, Im- immediately planning the impeachment, but there was such an uproar. Um, they weren't able to get away with it. And mm-hmm. it just shows that, you know, it's, there's really no necessity of despair, right? I mean, kind of the squeaky wheel does get the grease. And, you know, things can be turned back one county at a time, one state at a time.
0: Right. What effect do you think um, uh, Trump's many uh, criminal trials and um, um, charges are going to have on his chances of uh, becoming of, of returning to the presidency and right. and the second part of that how do you think the opposition the democrats i guess in this case should should attack the trump candidacy
1: yeah i think that there's kind of two ways of talking about the criminal trials so the one is you know the horse race stuff and you know people do polls and the pollsters say a lot of people will be in fact reluctant to vote for trump if he is convicted So, you know, but then there's the other part of it, which is that um, the bad guys are delegitimizing the entire judicial system of the United States. And what could be more scary than that by saying that these courts, you know, these judges, these prosecutors are illegitimate. And uh, by the way, a lot of the reason they say these these courts and juries are illegitimate is they're going to be in majority African American places like Washington or that the prosecutor in Georgia is an African American mm-hmm. so there's a really ugly racial element to this and you know this is where you know the institutions the democratic institutions of the country really just have to hold fast and do their jobs and there's no way out of this that isn't scary right because if Donald Trump you know is convicted You know, you're going to have a lot of people, you know, basically reacting, you know, the way fascists react Mm -hmm. when, you know, the institutions of liberalism do their jobs freely and fairly. They're going to attack the institutions, and those attacks could very easily come violently.
0: Mm -hmm. Personally, I I kind of don't think that—I think they kind of shot their—I don't know if I want to say that out of the air, but— it's not one of the five oh, words fat. or six words. Yeah, they, sh- they shot their wad on January 6th, and that was it, you know. Um, and it, it really is a, a minority of the people in this country, but I, that's just my own oh, personal Of a minority, thing. but a minority
1: uh, with a gun can be more powerful than a majority without a gun.
0: Right. So th- th- as we're closing down here, uh, how do we counteract the rise of fascism in this country?
1: You know, it's, it's really simple. I mean, political participation is, you know, it's a really boring answer, right? <laughs> but, I mean, Wisconsin shows it, right? I mean, you know, the, the fact that, you know, there was a mobilized electorate that came out, you know. And, you know, a lot of this is just kind of like, you know, show your face. You know, if people are, are, are you know, taking over the school board in your town, you know, and harassing the school board members, or people are, you know, harassing the election officials in your town, you just show up and say, no, you know, you just, you know, basically, see, you know, what is the Woody Allen said, 90% of life is showing up, right? Show up, right. show up, realize that these, 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 these values that you take for granted, you shouldn't be taking for granted, because mm-hmm. those people are trying to take them away.
0: All right. I've been speaking with Rick Perlstein, a historian, author, a journalist. And again, if you can tell people where they can see your weekly um,
1: uh, blog, yeah, pros- and prospect.org. Uh, and it's very easy to get. Just put your email in there, and you'll get my wisdom in your inbox every Wednesday morning.
0: All right. Well, definitely be looking forward. And Rick, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. It's very important discussion that needs to be. Uh, needs to be out there, and I appreciate you uh, appearing on the uh, Thursday Buzz.
1: And you know, also go see live music because that what you know that's what truly kind of like fills our hearts with joy and and us for the fight. And and it fights
0: fascists. And absolutely. And this um, Congo uh,
1: fights fascism.
0: <laughs> and uh, maybe we won't have to rely on Taylor Swift to be our savior for democracy,
1: but. Comes- we need everyone we need everyone we can get. That's right.
0: Hey Rick, thanks a lot and uh we'll thanks definitely funny. be in touch. Thanks a lot man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.